leadership team. I don't know about you, but it's warm. Was it cold this morning? It was cold this morning. Felt good, yeah? For like Mike, you must be like normal. It's nice and cool, yeah? I know all the other guys, they came with sweatshirts and, and I was here in shorts and t-shirt and it was like just so beautiful. Well, announcements. Okay, so, oh, yeah, we had, we had a great men's ministry. Uh, Frank ran his dragster last week. Uh, I, I got to go down. My wife and I went down. Um, Lawrence and Shelby was down there. Uh, we, we had a wonderful time because we were the only one in the bleachers. And we could stand on the, you know, because of my, my um, Zacchaeus complex, I went to the top of the bleachers and it's like, oh, this is it, man. I can see the whole racetrack from beginning to end. Yeah, and it was, it was nice because I was the only, we and Christy was the only one in the bleachers. The rest of the guys, they just park in their cars and they just watch from their car. And I don't know, you just can't get a really good view. But it, it was, you know, just to hear the sound of the cars, you know, except for the Teslas. The Tesla, I think the Tesla went like nine something seconds. Phew, like, wow. I wonder if it, it was just a stock Tesla because that thing went fast. Well, for announcements, if you're interested in, like I said, signing up for um, our Foursquare Disaster Relief Training, you go to the Foursquare Disaster Relief website, scroll down, it's going to have the training event. Ours would be the first one of the year, January 27, 28, 29, Friday after work, like 5.30, come here like 5, and then Saturday all day and Sunday after church. It's a total of 16 hours of, of really good training. So it might be kind of intense, but it's going to equip you to be one of those first responders when, um, you know, like a disaster happens, say a tsunami comes in and wipes out, God forbid, half of the town. Um, we we got to be prepared. So... They'll teach you how to approach people, how to pray for people, and what other things you can do. So that's coming up in January. So if you're interested, sign up. If you need help, um, just let me know. Um, that is coming up uh, on the 24th. We are having men's ministry. Yeah, that's Christmas Eve day. Um, that's going to be our last men's ministry of the year. So if, you, if you're a man, come check us out. We're going to have a uh, a great time at the end of the year. I know um, Brother James is planning a fantastic meal for us men, so it's kind of a secret, but I know, you know, like James, he, he's just an incredible cook, so um, join us then. So, um, yes, Christmas. How many of you finish your Christmas shopping? One, two, that's all, two. The rest of the Church, they're probably shopping right now, yeah? <laughs> so next week, I guess the rest of you are going to be shopping and only going to have two people because they finished. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, you know, us men, you can just say, well, honey, here you go. Men, just give your wife the credit card and say, go, shopping. <laughs> Danger. Yeah. I think uh, if all my gifts came from Home Depot, that would be fun. Yeah. All right, so um, tithes and offerings, 
you know, this, this church, you know, that's how we pay for ministry. That's how we pay for fried rice. And, you know, when we do outreaches, that's how we do um, put on youth programs, youth night, Friday night. Um, it comes, all comes to your tithes and offerings. So if, if this is your home church, you consider this your home church, and you want to give, then you can, you can, first of all, you can put it in that acrylic box by the barista, or you can, email, you can mail it to us, HCR2 Box 6617, KL Hawaii, 96749, or you can text NHHI to 808-793-5588. Those are the easy ways to give, or you can go to our website, newhopeeastawaii.com. Either way will work. And know that uh, I have a council who, who we go over the finances and you know, they kind of keep me accountable so um, you don't see my Tacoma with a six inch lift and big balloon tires because they keep me accountable on the spending. So we're, very, we're really good about that. We pray before we, we go and buy things. So um, let us pray at this moment. Lord, thank you so much that you know, we get to give. And if this is our home church, I pray that we would give cheerfully. For your word says that God loves a cheerful giver. So Lord, I ask that you would bless the tithes, the offerings, the gift, the giver. That we would use this to further your kingdom. To reach to the ends of the earth. We thank you so much that we get to give because you give, have given us. We thank you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Ooh, you guys ready for Christmas? You excited? Oh my gosh. I took a pulse. See if you guys are alive. Are you guys excited for Christmas or what? I am. I put up lights on my house and all. My wife, she's, my wife is getting, she just loves Christmas so much. She, she's getting carried away. She's putting more and more lights inside the house. And I said, honey, enough, enough. She gives me this mean look, enough. So I was moving the step stool one day, and I had to lift it over something. And it hit a big wooden thing that she hung up somewhere. I mean, it's a big wooden, I don't know what it was, but it hit it. And because it was just hanging on something small, guess what happened? It, good thing I have a little bit hair. It came crashing down on my head. Oh my gosh. It's a good thing that they say Okinawans have hard heads. Because it hurt. Man, it's just big. And then my wife comes around the corner screaming, what happened? What happened? I don't know who put whatever was where, but it came on my head. And it was sore. But that's okay. I still love Christmas. I still put lights outside of my house. She has a, she has a, the Christmas tree was up before Thanksgiving. There's a train going around the Christmas tree, which my granddaughter, she loves to destroy every time she comes over. And then she put a little Christmas village up. Um, I got to make her a, a quick half a day fake fireplace so she can hang up the stockings and all that. So it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful time of the year. And I love it. Sometimes, you know, I, when I'm in town and I'm, I'm going in the stores getting stuff ready, you know, I go, you see me in town a lot because I go to the stores to, to buy the eggs and the onions and get everything ready for the fried rice. And if, I, if it's my Sunday to cook, you might see me buying, buying groceries. But sometimes I go in the store 
And I see people that are like, oh, they're miserable, they're grumpy, they, they're stuck in line, and they're complaining. And it's like, why? Why are people so miserable? And I think that is what can happen when you and I, we choose to look at the wrong things. Have you ever noticed that? When you look for the wrong things, that's what you'll see? When, when I look at the inflation, that's what I see. $9 for a can of coffee. When I look for the crowds, that's what I see. I was going to town yesterday, uh, probably like, I think about lunchtime, maybe 11.30. I was going to town, and from right I came out of the Panava Shirts, I looked, and I saw way ahead, orange cones and lights. So the thing went from two lanes to one lane. What I was looking for traffic, what did I see? Traffic, so what did I do? Turn left. Because I had to go up the hill anyway. Not making excuses, but when we, when we see the crowds, the traffic, when we look for it, that's what we're going to see. When we see. When we look for the guys doing the illegal red light, running the red lights, that's what we'll see. Look at Peter. Remember Peter when, when Jesus said, come, and he got out of the boat, and he started walking on water. Wow. And he was walking. He was the only guy who was bold enough to get out and walk on the water. He walked on the water when he was looking at Jesus. But then when the Bible says when he saw the wind and the waves, I don't know how you see the wind, but, but we saw the wind and the waves, he, he began to sink. Why? He was looking at the wind and the waves. Took his eyes off Jesus. In Acts 5, 40 and 41. Says they took his advice and after calling the apostles in, they flogged them, meaning they beat them up, they gave them lickings, they got cracks. They flogged them and ordered them not to speak the name of Jesus and then released him. So they went on their way from the presence of the council, check this out, rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. Peter, some of the apostles were arrested for preaching the gospel. And while they were in prison, an angel showed up and let them out, told them to go to the temple and speak. Speak that message I'm giving you, the message of life. So when the council went to the next morning to, to get them out, they were no longer in prison. They were, they were just gone. But someone said, they're in the temple preaching. So they brought them, and the, they brought them before the council and they questioned him. And after questioning them, they flogged him. They beat them up. And then they released him. But the thing about it, how in the world could it be that they left 
the beating, rejoicing. How many of you, like, when you get scolding, maybe from your boss, how many of you leave rejoicing? Anybody? Anybody? Come on. Really? You know, when I was at the big church and I would get scoldings, I'd get pulled in the office and I'd get scoldings. Sometimes I would come out of there and like, why am I happy? I just got scolding. It's like, I was a weird feeling. So they, they looked at the flogging in a different way. They saw it as they were worthy to suffer shame for preaching about Jesus. Now, I guarantee you, if they looked at the beating itself, they would be in pain and grumbling and like, oh, man, this preaching Jesus hurts, man. It really does. Yep, and they, they took their eyes and their focus off of their beating and they, they thought of it like, wow, man, I am good enough to take beating for preaching the name of the Lord. And they were joyful. And I've been talking about this the last few weeks. And this is a, like the last month of the year, right? This is the time of year when we celebrate the birth of our Savior. This is a time of the year where we should be walking around with a smile on our face because, you know, we're, we're, we're just about to celebrate the birthday, the best, the most important birthday in the world in history, the birth of our Savior. So we should be, like, walking around singing and being happy, and people were looking like, what's up with you? So, yeah, we're going to celebrate the birth of Jesus soon. That's why I'm so happy. So we should be walking around driving. We should be even singing in our cars driving. This is the last month. This is our chance to go reach our family and our friends for Jesus. So the, the most important thing is, one of the most important things is, number one, we got to focus on Jesus. Because if we focus on the traffic, we focus on the prices, we focus on the lines, wow, we're going to be pretty upset, pretty miserable, pretty grouchy people. Some of the scriptures that help us to do that, Colossians 3, 2, set your mind on things above, not on the things that are on earth. What are on earth? Oh, sinners, traffic, inflation, you know, crazy people. Philippians 4, 8, finally, brethren, brothers, us, Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute. If there's any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. If we look for the positive, I believe we will see the positive. If we look for the negative, we will see the negative. What we focus on, we will see. When we focus on Jesus and, and what the Bible says and instructs us to focus on, especially with, with the inflation, the traffic, and all that, man, I think the devil will not be able to steal our joy. 
Because, you know, the devil can easily, easily steal our joy. First thing you get in the morning, you try to start your car, it doesn't start. Oh, not again, joy gone. But if we keep our eyes on Jesus, oh, my car cannot start. All right, I cannot go work. Amen to that. Hello, boss. My car cannot start. I cannot come work. But if you keep your focus on Jesus, what is Christmas about? Is it about getting the best gift for somebody? Is it about the shopping? My wife would tell you, shopping, that's all year. I practice all year for this month. Is it about the Black Friday deals? No, because Black Friday now is all month. Is it about the parties? Is it about the food? Some of us may think it's all about the food. It's about getting the, is it about getting the most presents under the Christmas tree? It's none of those things. Christmas is a time when you and I, we celebrate what God did for us. We celebrate that God sent his son to earth to be born. Human, 100% human, 100% God. So that he could teach people. And he had a ministry for about three years. Then he, he went to the cross. He shed his blood so that we could be forgiven. Christmas is about Jesus coming to save us because we couldn't save ourselves, no matter how good or how much we tried. Christmas is about Jesus coming so you and I can have a direct connection to God. And not just you and I, but everyone out there. All those who are in need of hope, they're looking they're looking for it in every place they can find but it's only found in Jesus Christ amen? amen we can have that direct connection to the creator of the universe the almighty because of what Jesus did and i believe that's what we that's why we celebrate christmas because it is such you know it's not like religion where it's man's attempt to reach God. It's Christianity where God came down to reach us. Left his beautiful place up there and came down to this crummy place to save us. So the thing is, we got to focus on Jesus. And number two, like Paul, we got to remember our assignment. Why? Why do you think that when you accepted Jesus, poof, you never just go immediately up to heaven? When you accepted Jesus, he gave you an assignment. He gave all of us an assignment. Matthew 9, 36. Seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. 
Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. There is a great harvest out there. And we get to go and reach that harvest. There's so much joy in playing a part when you get to help someone receive Jesus. You know, yes, yesterday we were at men's ministry and we were just starting the book of Romans. And it was, it was very powerful. Um, JD was telling us, and this is in my own words, it's like, you know, when you have a debt to pay, it's either because you spent the money and you got to pay the debt back, right? Or he said another one was, if somebody gave me a million dollars to go give to Operation Christmas Child, I have a debt now to pay to Operation Christmas Child because, say, Mike gave me a million dollars. Scott, go give this. This is for Operation Christmas Child. Now I have a debt to pay to Operation Christmas Child because I cannot go take that money and go um, spend it on a house or a boat or something. I'm, I'm in debt to what Mike told me to do. So Jesus came. He gave us this gift of salvation. Now we're, we have a debt to go tell the rest of the world that, hey, you know what? The God of heaven loves you. Jesus Christ came for you. So now we have this, this, this debt that we get to take to the world. It's not like we receive Jesus and we sit down like, oh, I'm, I'm saved, I'm good. Forget the rest of the world as long as I'm saved. Now that maybe would be a young, immature person, but now we get to take it to the world. You don't have um, to be a pastor, a leader, a teacher to, to lead someone to Christ. I think all you need is Christ in you. And that's, that's our assignment. And in order for us to do our assignment, you're going to need something. And I think you're going to need the Holy Spirit. I think you're going to need compassion. Because if you never had compassion for the loss, then you probably care less about the loss. And if you think about what hell is like and what the Bible says about hell, it's a place of continuous torment. Man, imagine the worst suffering you ever had. And it's continuous. It's not going to end. It is not ever going to end. I remember one time when, I, when my, I had that eczema, it was like, it was so miserable. Um, my arms, my back, it was just all raw because I kept scratching. In the middle of the night, I'd be scratching, and I'd wake up in the morning, and there'd be blood spots on my bed because I'd be scratching. And then I would wear long sleeves all day in the middle of summer because I didn't want everybody to go, oh, brother, you gross. What's that leprosy? You better call out, leprosy, leprosy, don't come near me. And it, I, I was suffering. And I think, like, man, that's nothing compared to hell. 
And I, I think if you understood what hell would be like, you wouldn't want anyone to end up there. So we gotta, we gotta have some kind of compassion and we gotta remember that we have this thing that was given to us. Now, Jesus came for you. He gave you eternal life. Just because you share it and somebody receive it, you don't, doesn't lessen your eternal life. Right? I think you get, you get more joy in doing that. So we, we look. This is a season that we get to share Jesus Christ. We got to keep our eyes, keep our focus on Jesus. Remember why he came and remember what he told us to do. And number three, man, we got to invite others to this celebration. Not, not, not mainly tell them come to church, but invite him to the party of coming to know Jesus Christ. In Luke 14, Jesus tells this parable of this dinner. Jesus was saying, but he said to him, a man was giving a big dinner, and he invited many. And at the dinner hour, he sent his slaves to, to say to those who have been invited, come, for everything is ready now. The food is ready, so you better go. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first one said to him, I bought a piece of land. I need to go out and look at it. Please consider me excused. I thought about it like, what? Oh, wait, wait, wait. The land wasn't going to be there tomorrow after the party. Is like the lava coming to, to take your land? So that's what was so important. Another one said, I bought five yoke of oxen. I'm going to try them out. Please consider me excused. Then in verse 20, another one said, I have a... I have married a wife for that reason I cannot come. Now that might be a good reason, right? I just got married, so, you know, excuse me. And the slave came back and reported this to his master. The head of the household became angry and said to the slave, go out once into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in, bring in here the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. And the slave said, master, what you commanded has been done and still there is room. And the master said to the slave, go into the highways along the hedges, compel them to come so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of the men who were invited shall taste of my dinner. So back when this was written, uh, I guess the custom was them to send out two invitations, one to the party and one to announce the event. The second one to tell the guests that everyone was ready. The guests here in Jesus' story insulted the host by making excuses at the second invitation. And I got to tell you this. When you invite people to come into the kingdom, the community of Christian, Christianity, they're going to make excuses. I have this friend I've been trying to reach for years. And every time I see him, I invite him. And every time he tells me no. He's getting older and older and older, and I'm getting sad because I cannot imagine him one day standing before God and said, why? You know, I sent, I sent my servant to go tell you to come, but every time he told you, you said no. In Israel's history, God's first invitation came to Moses and the prophets. His second invitation came from Jesus. The, the religious leaders of the time, they accepted the first one through Moses. 
And they believed that God had called them to be his people, but they insulted God by refusing to believe that Jesus was his son. Thus the master in the story went into the streets. That's why the Gentiles were able to come in, which is really awesome. God's kingdom is ready and is here, and we get to invite people. So the thing is, when you invite people, some of them flat out tell you no. Don't, 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 don't let it hurt your feelings because they're not rejecting you, all right? They're rejecting God. So if they tell you no, then move on to the next person. Still pray for them, but move on. In Matthew eleven twenty-eight, 28, Come to me, Jesus says, all who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. You see so much people out there stressed out and tired, and they need Jesus. You have the answer. Jesus tells us, come to him. Give us rest. Not rest from going to your job every day, but love, healing, peace. A relationship with God changes the, the meaningless, wearisome toil of day-to-day -day work. Because once you accept Jesus, he's your boss. So when you go to work, you have a different purpose. I'm working for Jesus now. And you'll do your job better. Christmas, I believe, is introducing people to Jesus and why he came and what he came for. This season, I want all of us to thrive. I want us to be a mighty force for his kingdom. Amen. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And I'm going to um, pray. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And if you never ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, I want to give you this opportunity. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. I repent of my sins and I turn to you. Come live in me. Change me. Cleanse me. Make me the person you want me to be. I receive you, Jesus, as my personal Lord and Savior. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you pray that prayer for the first time, would you hold up a hand? Anybody out there? Anybody out there? Thank you, Jesus. I want to leave you with this prayer that um, Paul spoke to the um, Corinthian church. The grace of the Lord Jesus and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Would you stand and join us as we sing our, our final song for the morning? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Pastor, for that great message. So appropriate for this time of the season, not to just be focused on, on the things that we got to do, but on the assignment that God gave all of us, you know, the Great Commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Yes.
but he gave us joy in the moment to be able to fulfill that mission. You know, he, he, he said, I'm not going to leave you orphans, but I'm going to send a helper. Uh, I'm going to send an advocate. I'm going to send, you know, everything we really need in, in the power and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit um, to, be able, to be able for us to accomplish that assignment because, you know, it was a big task. It was a very big task. So let's go out this week with joy.